We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com B-E. Every child deserves a team. That's the belief behind Jigsaw Learning, a proud sponsor of the Bee Podcast Network. And it's why the company, founded by educators Curtis and Lorna Hewson, focuses on ensuring success for all learners through collaborative response an approach in which every child is supported by a team. Through customized professional learning that incorporates workshops, leadership development, online learning opportunities, and more, Jigsaw Learning can guide you every step of the way to create a plan to maximize the collective capacity in your schools. Learn more at jigsawlearning.ca. What goes the extra mile in supporting and what creates that empowerment is just being there, just knowing that somebody has your back and is actually following up to help you and being there to be your number one cheerleader. That goes a long way. That allows staff to be confident and want to do things and want to take those risks. Dr. Chris Jones here, and welcome to Seeing to Lead, a show designed to help leaders increase their ability to effectively support, engage, and empower their staff through intentional practices so that they create an environment where everyone reaches their greatest level of success. On Seeing to Lead, communication rules the day as we hear voices from both teachers and leaders in an effort to examine perspectives, highlight misunderstandings, and provide steps to ultimately bridge the gap between what teachers need and provide through thoughtful dialogue. This show is about amplifying voices, creating understanding, and providing information to help everyone continually improve. I want to personally thank you for taking the time. Now, let's get to getting better. Georgina is a visionary education leader, an aspiring writer, podcaster, and keynote speaker, and is keen to impact creative innovation across Europe, Middle East, and Africa, where she's been fostering change in education for over a decade. She empowers learners, educators, and school leaders with the 21st century skills, creative strategies, tools, and the confidence they need to be successful members of a global community to thrive in tomorrow's competitive job market. I'm super excited that I reached out to Georgina and she agreed to be on this podcast because as you're about to hear, um, she's a great conversationalist and has a lot to say about technology, education, and how to support, engage, and empower teachers. So welcome, Georgina. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Chris. I'm super excited to be here. As you've you know, seen on my social media, I, I listen to your podcast across my journeys in, uh, in exercise and, and education. So it's, it's a real honor to be here with your community. Thank you for having me. Uh, my pleasure. And it, how appropriate that you said journey. So I just want to start this off because people here, you know, the Middle East, Europe, things like that. Talk to me or us a little bit about your journey and what you love about being a leader or how you got to this position that you're in now. Because when we had spoken earlier, you talked about 
kind of a point where you were like, aha, this is what I need to be doing. So I'll, I'll let you run with it from there. Sure. No worries. Well, hopefully we're not going to, you know, bore our listeners with five hours of the Georgina story, but I'll give you the short version. Can't uh, we'll, <laughs> there you go. Um, so yeah, I basically grew up in Canada um, and I went to school there and I certified as an, an educator and straight out of university, I really wanted to travel the world. So travel has been part of my, my dream, I guess you could say since the beginning and really getting to places where they don't have access to the quality education that we have in North America, I wanted to dive into and support other countries and other education communities to have access to the same education. So I applied the University of Ottawa has uh, an international program where they place teachers and I applied to um, Australia and Russia and Egypt. Don't ask about the correlation (laughs) (laughs) Just different places I want to visit. Um, And Egypt called me first and they said, hey, we have a a job opening. You know, are you interested? And, you know, a little bit of background. So I'm I'm an educator for French immersion, um, second language French. And when they called me, they said, and as a secondary teacher, I should add, so high school. And they called me and they said, the only thing is, is we only have an opening for grade one. And I sat there, of course, they can't see me on the other end of the phone because back in, you know, 2007, it was a phone call, not to a Zoom or anything like that. And my jaw was dropped and I just kind of paused. And I remember them saying like, are you still with us? I was like, yeah, just processing. And I got, I said, that's great. Thank you. I'm, you know, I asked some questions and then I said, I'll get back to them. I called my dad on the phone and he said, oh, that's great. Egypt, how wonderful. And I said, dad, they want me to teach little people. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, I I don't know how to talk to little people. It was just so, it was just, it was, it was funny. But sure enough, I went there and that's how my journey teaching abroad started. And after Egypt's second revolution, I decided that I needed a bit of a break from, you know, politics and all that. So I I dove into um, education in Mexico. So I traveled back to the other side of the world, worked in an international school in Mexico, and I found and discovered my love of technology. So it was an Apple school. They gave me a card of iPads to manage in my classroom. And I was like, oh my goodness. And remembering that I'd come from my first school was just chalkboards. They barely had a few computers, the first school that I went to in Egypt. After that, there was a little bit of technology, but nothing related to Apple. So I went to Mexico and I was like, oh my goodness. And just the magic that was happening with students being able to navigate a device um, to engage their curiosity and learning, whether that was like guided reading books that they could immerse with on the iPad. Um, We used little apps like Poplet back in the day where they could um, do brainstorming and sharing with writing and images and I just remembered how excited they were. And it was a different kind of engagement than I'd experienced in other schools where we hadn't been using technology um, in that way or to that extent. So that was really the beginning of the journey. And, you know, I'll cut it short not to, to, you know, bore everybody with the rest of the journey. But basically from then, I got into ed tech and I started to help and support schools develop their digital strategy for integration and implementation. Led me 
back to Egypt, actually, because I missed the Middle East, uh, went on to Jordan and now back in the UK. So, yeah. That's a lot. What a, what a journey. You, boy, you wanted to travel. You got your wish. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am, um, you know, first of all, everybody has to know and anybody listening to this that is a secondary level teacher or leader, when you said they offered you first grade or littles, every single person that's like truly a secondary person, I think maybe shuddered a little bit. Like, <laughs> so, so you were, you were brave for doing that because I just picture a classroom full of first graders and how I would fare in there. I don't know if I would make it the day in a classroom full of first graders. So it's so different. It's so different. And, you know, I know we talked about like other questions that, you know, I might come across on, on the podcast today with you, but I was thinking about that and, you know, you never forget your very first day in the classroom, regardless of what you're teaching, your very first day in your own classroom out of, out of university, you'd never forget that. But on top of that, it was also in a brand new country with learners that spoke a different language and it was outside of my skill set. So it was super, yeah, super memorable. I remember like we had circle time on the carpet and I was reading them a story. And I'll never forget that I, the way that I read the story to them. And often, you know, years later and till now, I think to myself, gosh, why didn't you just read the story normally to them? They would have just enjoyed it the same way, you know, right. because you get in, you get in there and you think, oh, I need to speak to them. Like they're small, but actually what you learn as you learn about that age is that actually you can talk to them like an adult and that they're very innocent and that they want to please you and, and, and so, so it was an interesting uh, learning process for sure. So maybe there's your first little nugget of information to people listening or teachers that are a secondary level, a little bit of support saying, no, you can, you can do this. You can talk to them like they're normal people, but sometimes we get hung up on stuff like that. It's true because you don't know, right? If you've not, you know, especially as a first time educator in the classroom, you don't necessarily know how to interact. Like sure, we've done placements and we'll have been in schools before. Um, but if it's opposite to that experience that you've had during your placement, then then yeah, it's, it's, it's different. But for sure, just be yourself. I mean, we hear that so much. I hear that on your podcast before. Be yourself and build those relationships with students because they'll respect you and appreciate what you bring to the table when you're your authentic self for sure. So I'm glad you brought that up because I'm so I'm I'm trying to draw a picture in my mind of you going overseas for the first time. You were trained as a secondary person. You're with first graders and you've got the noblest of causes as far as supporting people getting access to a better education. So yeah. that's, and a lot of people talk about that, but now I'm, I'm picturing you sitting here for circle time, reading that book. <laughs> I'm sure there were some difficult days. How could a leader have supported you better? Now you may have gotten really good support. So share some of that with us, but how could a leader have supported you in making that transition and having all of that in front of you? Yeah, this is a really good question because I'm sure, you know, in America as well, you have teachers that are not necessarily coming from another country or that may be, but even teachers coming from another school and they might be in the same city or the same town or the same state, but every every place has its own culture. So I definitely think the question is very valid. I would say 
for myself going in, it would have been helpful. And now that we have so much access to technology, like you and I are on a Zoom call together across countries and across time zones, right? Had we had access to something like this when I was hired, then I might have said, oh, could you pop me into the classroom and let me observe the community so that I can learn about the students before I get there? Or could you have me on a a Zoom call or a Google Meet call with um, the department before I join the school so that I can get to know them? And those things are absolutely doable, um, you know, which also supports, you know, COVID protocols, et cetera, depending on your, your school district. These are small things that can go a long way just to meet people before you actually get there. So in the international community, for example, other things that we do is the school would set up um, a Facebook page, for example, that happens at most schools internationally now, where new staff can join that Facebook page. And it's usually led by a couple members of the leadership team, but also a couple of members that are part of like a welcoming committee, I guess you could say, that are made up of teachers, leaders, whoever wants to to help out. And they answer questions so that people don't have to feel, you know, worried or anxious about joining a new community. So it doesn't have to be solely for international. I would absolutely, you know, vouch for that process even locally. That's brilliant. So <laughs> that that's, see, I told you I learned stuff on these all the time. So a Facebook page for new people, I'm almost, and at first I, I was jotting something down here and I, I wrote staff Facebook page yeah. for onboarding people because it, yeah. what you're talking about is really an onboarding process to make people feel comfortable and welcome and knowledgeable so they don't have to worry about, they can get to doing what they do with students rather than saying, okay, where's the bathroom? How do I get there? Yeah. <laughs> so just simple things like that. But then I crossed out staff and I wrote down mentoring. Like we have a mentoring program and these, there's so much that goes on with teachers. There's so much thrown at them when they first get to a school, as far as how do I get out of the cafeteria easily? Um, You know, just things like that. Here's all your paperwork for whatever you have to do. That if they had like a, a Facebook page, a private page just for mentees and put the mentors on it and administrators on it. So questions could get answered, things like that. That's a brilliant idea. It goes a really long way. And I'll I'll share another one that's kind of in conjunction. We also have like a buddy system. So you can buddy a new staff member who's joining your school, but you can also do the same for students. So it's not just for staff. Like when we have um, new students that are joining schools, we also buddy them with you know, and different schools have these communities set up differently. They might be like student council members. They might be like digital leaders. However, your community sets up that group of students, you would buddy them with somebody. So it's not just that they have, you know, teachers that are looking out for them and counselors, et cetera, but they also have a peer who's like, hey, I can help you out with that. I can take you to lunch. You need to get to the the football field. Sure, follow me. I can take you there. So, and it's the same for teachers so that when... When you're stuck in the evening and your stove stops working and you need to order delivery for food, but you don't have, you know, the numbers you need because you're in a new place, you have somebody that you can call to say, hey, here's the pizza delivery number or here's the supermarket number for some fresh fresh fruit and veggies or here's the Uber number, for example. It goes a long way when you have somebody that you can just message on the fly to say, oh, I really need support with this. So the buddy system. That's awesome because we have 
and not just my school, a lot of schools have mentor programs. And so your upperclassmen become mentors and they go yeah. through some training. And then you have like an orientation where you bring freshmen in and they mentor freshmen but um, because they're new to the school. But that's not necessarily for sophomores. It doesn't necessarily carry over. It does a little bit if there's a relationship made, but that's, that's interesting to do with, to do with teachers that way. I do have, I have another question because, so we're talking about the whole overwhelmed thing and how to support people, right? From being overwhelmed. So now another part of your journey, I picture you going to this school in Mexico and suddenly you've got this Apple stuff, you know, oftentimes, especially with tech, and now we're going to really get in your wheelhouse. We, we see all this tech that we like, but it's overwhelming because there's a lot of it. So how, how as a leader, do you want to engage teachers um, into trying this new tech? Because sometimes it's scary if it's overwhelming. And how do you support them in making the appropriate or proper decisions or support them in their exploration of tools that they might want to use? Yeah, that's also a really great question. So if I put myself in my in those shoes of when I was that educator in Mexico, it was my first time teaching at an international school with an American curriculum. So my first time working with the American curriculum, also the first time being in a Spanish community, also the first time working with iPad. So it's, it's a whole lot of new going on again, but it is really a great question because Oftentimes, educators don't need to have a whole lot of new to feel overwhelmed. The simple fact of one of those things can feel overwhelming and therefore uh, be a barrier, I guess we could say, towards them wanting to take risks with the ed tech. What I always say to staff are three things. I always encourage them saying, find somebody that you really enjoy collaborating with who uses these things a little bit and try to do buddy up with them. So again, back to that buddy system a little bit, but it's been really successful for me. So if you buddy them up with somebody who is, and you don't choose the buddy for them, this is really key allowing them to choose somebody that they already have a confident relationship with will help them gain buy-in in the peer observation strategy. So allowing them to choose that person. Of course, if they choose somebody that's not using, for example, technology, since that was the question you asked, then obviously you want to help guide them a little bit, but you know, always let them start with that option. The other thing that I would suggest is providing with a resource bank. So that could include simple little things. And I don't mean like a whole booklet of a hundred different resources, but a small booklet, it could be 10 or 20 max, a playlist of short videos they could watch to learn how to use the tools, a PLN, so professional learning network that they could join of people who are just getting started. So there are Facebook groups. I don't know if you're, you've heard of them or part of any, um, Chris, but there's Facebook groups like for Google for Education and Apple teachers. So people can join if those learning management systems and devices are inside their school. So just being in a space again, where they can ask a question if they don't feel comfortable asking someone at their school will help them a long way as well. And the third thing is make sure that the person who is their mentor or coach or, you know, your ed tech director, whoever you have at your school is also readily available to support them. So you could have, for example, something set up like a Google chat or, um, 
if you're in Teams, a team setup where you are supporting the people who are new to using those technologies so they can ping you a question. And as long as you just set expectations, like for myself in my role, I always tell people, if you message me, I'll get back to you as soon as possible, maybe the evening or the following morning. But just knowing they have a space where they can get that support, you know, as quickly as possible goes a really long way. So those are three little things that have been, you know, really successful for, for new staff. In, in new to technology, I guess we could say. I, I love the idea of the buddy system, but really it comes down to availability of resources. And that, that so let me rephrase a little bit. Availability of resources, however, that's not like just something, here's this, go look on it on your own. You need that human component to it because, and we talk about this as leaders, you know, when we're talking about building relationships or talking to people, it is so easy and efficient to rip off a couple emails to people um, for anything, but it has nowhere near the impact or the depth for us to take that. And instead of sending off a 30 second email, going and spending three minutes talking to somebody face to face is much more effective. So the, that's um, that personal touch, that human touch is really important. I'm glad you said that because that's been an observation um, that I usually get when I join new schools, Chris, is people say like, oh, wow, it's great to see you over here. People are always surprised when they see me like around the school. And I'm like, yeah, you know, this is part of it. You know, you have to be present. So, you know, I know we were talking that about that a little bit earlier about, you know, what goes the extra mile in supporting and what creates that empowerment is just being there, just knowing that somebody has your back and is actually following up to help you and being there to be your number one cheerleader, that goes a long way. That allows staff to be confident and want to do things and want to take those risks. So, you know, it may, you know, some days, Chris, I'll be honest, some days I'm tired after like 20,000 steps a day going into all these classes, right? But, But it's worth it and I wouldn't change it. And on the days that I'm tired, I still push myself to run, you know, and at Hogwarts where I work, the the campus is really big. So, you know, it may take me 10 minutes to walk from one end to the other. And so sometimes you're, you're moving quickly to get from, you know, elementary over to senior and then admin and leadership and, 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 but, but it's worth it because people see that you're present and you're there for them. And that goes a million miles, Chris. I couldn't have said it any better. And people can't see me, but I have a big smile on my face because you, you referenced Hogwarts. (laughs) And earlier you had referenced a hobbit hole and it just reminded me of there's, there's a, I don't want to say a chasm, but there's a split in my family over um, Harry Potter and Tolkien. So oh, no. I just, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, as to, you know, what work is better and why and more relevant, but um, on to bigger and better things than, than, uh, than fiction writing. <laughs> Today's podcast is brought to you by Better Leaders, Better Schools, who put out a great newsletter every Sunday called The Weekend Resource. This newsletter provides incredible value, sharing tremendous leadership resources from across a variety of resources. And I personally love the inspiring quote at the end of each weekend resource because I can use it with my staff. Subscribe by visiting betterleadersbetterschools.com forward slash weekend dash resource. I use Anchor to distribute the Seeing to Lead podcast because I find it to be the best tool to suit my busy schedule. Anchor has everything I need all in one place, 
offers hands-free distribution to everywhere podcasts are heard, and is free to use. I can use anywhere from some to all of its features based on what I need at the time. On top of all that, you can be mobile, recording, editing, and distributing all right from your phone. You can also easily make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So go download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started today. Um, you know, when you get somebody to use new technology, and, and we're going through some changes here in, in my school and in my sure. district. And I don't know if I mentioned to you about this, but we have a couple things going on where we have a, an increasing diversity to our population, which we have a lot of um, English language learners. And in that, you know, people hear English language learners and they think it's as easy as they just have to learn a new language. Just from listening to you talk about all the other cultural components to that um, and how that's different. And we have some English language learners that have never been to formal school prior to coming to high school. Mm. And so the usefulness of tech and looking for that, that piece, and we're switching from Microsoft platform to we've we're straddling it now but we're switching over to google later okay so you've got a lot of nervous teachers yeah and and rightfully so and you have your early adopters and things like that how is a a a director because and this is where your role is really cool because you're a tech director or what we would call a tech director in the states a district level position that does the purchasing and oversees all that stuff yeah but you also still work with teachers to integrate which is a separate position in a lot of schools in the States. Um, so how, how do you empower teachers to not just take the steps? So there's that piece of engagement, but then to take it and run with it, to find things that work with them and then go that extra mile with it. Yeah, it's a good question also. So as far as my instructional coaching piece, I think that because you're right, that it is a separate thing in, in the States, but it's not, it's very new here, for example, in England, like it's, it's come about recently, I'd say maybe a year or so, but it's not prevalent and it's just starting to catch on across, you know, Europe in this side of the world. And so I offer anywhere from like four to eight hours. I'm, I'm doing six right now, every term. Um, to work one-on-one with teachers because that one-on-one support is really going to go the distance. And so when you, when you ask me like, what can I do or what can we do to support them then running with it with instructional coaching, it's a little bit like you're with them. So every time you leave them for the rest of the week, there is a a goal, right? And so what do you want to work on? What is my goal? So I always have a takeaway and the the educator always has a takeaway. We come back the next week. What are we going to do? We may say, hey, let's team teach, you know, the use of Jamboard in your lesson next week. And so what we do is we're prepping the lesson ahead in order to do that team teaching piece. It may be that I take away that I'm going to pitch something with the rest of the senior leadership team based on something the teacher's interested to to run with, I guess you could say. So the, the takeaways and the goals are different every week. But as soon as the educators start to see that you as the leader are working towards actioning, and I'm very careful with my positioning on that because obviously as leaders, we can't promise we're going to, you know, it's not a 100% promise that we can change the world and make everything magical as we'd like. So we have to be realistic. But as long as they can see that you're taking steps towards supporting them 
with what they're looking for, that also builds empowerment. They want to then do things. It's a little bit like education, you know, adults, you know, obviously there's andragogy versus pedagogy, et cetera. And we are different, obviously adults and children, but we're not completely unlike when it comes to education, you know, just like a child wants to, you know, impress their teacher and make their teacher happy. So do the educators want to to make their leaders happy. At least that's been my experience. That might be based on relationships that we build with them. But if you have a good relationship, they'll want to work with you to to achieve the, the things, the targets that you set out with them. So I think half of it is doing your best to try and support them with the things and following through with your commitment. If we're not committed in the things that we promise and say, then we're going to lose trust very quickly with the educators. And that that is going to be a complete loss of buy-in to the program, uh, to the school's vision, to everything. So I'm not sure. I, I might have gone off on a tangent there, but you let me know if that yes. answered or if you want to bring me back a bit, let me know. No, the best part about talking to you um, and anybody on this are tangents because that's where we <laughs> usually stumble across. And I think we talked about this when we met earlier is that's when we start actually start to pull out these threads and stumble across some really good stuff um, when yeah. we're off on tangents to talking. I, you know, one of the really important things you said to me that I think leaders really need to hear and can't be glazed over is the idea that much like students want to te- want to please teachers, teachers want to please leaders. Yeah. And if as leaders, we could take that perspective a lot of times, it's, you know, it's that whole idea of if, if a student could do better, they would. So then you start to identify what it is that's keeping a student from doing better. And that's what we need to do as leaders with teachers, that if a teacher could do better, they would. And, and I say this, it's funny when I, when I present, I say, you know, no teacher wakes up in the morning and gets ready to go to work and gets to work and says, you know what? I just really want to be awful today. <laughs> nobody says that. <laughs> so no. I don't know why sometimes we get caught up in that. But what you just said reminds me of a four-step process. The first step being identifying and supporting. So if, mm-hmm. if we really want to empower teachers and get them to take the reins over, Um, I think of the idea of identifying and supporting. So whatever that issue is, whatever they're trying to work on, we need to identify that, whatever tech tool they want to use. And then we need to support them in that, which is where your three steps are for what they need. And then we need to model that. We need to model how that tech tool makes sense for them and, and how to use it. And then the third step is we need to bridge any gaps. So help support them, whether it's that co-teaching piece you talked about, but get them more comfortable. And then we need to look at the gaps that show up in what they're doing to help them feel more comfortable with it and be more successful with it. And then we need to bridge those gaps or show them how, make a plan. And then we need to, and this is the toughest part for a lot of leaders sometimes, is we need to accept the end result, whatever it, whatever it is. When they, when they use that tech tool, when they try that new strategy, we need to accept that that's the best they can do. And then we need to, repeat the process. Yeah. And go back and 
and I'm really glad you said that. Apologies. I'm just going to interrupt you there because I think what don't, you... Don't apologize. We're having a conversation. Yeah, but what you said is really magical. And I think leaders could also pay attention to what you said is you said, be okay with the result. And I think that sometimes, and you know, it's not necessarily a bad quality of leaders, but sometimes leaders can feel down or as though they failed when their educators don't succeed. And actually it goes back to the entire, what, you know, thing about fail forward and embracing failure and letting it guide you. You know, it's the same as in the classroom. If we want our students to take risks and embrace their failure and then move forward, because that's when actually the learning happens, we need to provide the same space for educators. So I'm really glad you said that because we really do need to be okay with wherever they are at. And then just like you said, we repeat. Some instructional coaching cycles, for example, may last, you know, half a term, six to eight weeks, however long your term is, half term. And some cycles can last an entire year. So, you know, it depends on the educator. And just like we would never leave a student lurking before they've achieved success, it's the same with our educators. We need to be with them until they've achieved the goal that they wanted to achieve and or, you know, achieve together sort of thing. We need to make sure that we follow the process through. We need to embrace failure and we need to celebrate the failure as well as the successes. So kudos to you, Chris. <laughs> The way you wrapped it up is much better than I could have said it. So oh. <laughs> that's you gave a better understanding to what I was fumbling through as I was thinking. So, so thank you for that. I another topic that I I wanted to touch on, and I I have a feeling it's going to be more than a touch on from talking to you before, and it has to do with tech, and it has to do with I think it's appropriate because of the times we're in, right? Where COVID and and everything mm. that comes along with that, and remote learning and hybrid learning and all of that, where tech is a huge piece of that. And we're missing the boat as school districts, communities, leaders, if we don't learn some lessons from what just happened. And while what we're on the tail end of is still happening, depending on where you are. But we learned so much about the role tech can play. And some of it, as I mentioned before, was overwhelming and kind of trying to drink from a fire hose. And other parts were things that we really need to kind of hang on to as we sift through the other stuff. But but education needs to change. And the way education is delivered um, as far as how it's delivered, where it's delivered, when it's delivered. Oh man, this episode is turning out to be even better than I originally thought it was going to be. So as a result, we've got two episodes. We had to break it into two because of all the great conversation going on. Look, I mean, Georgina is talking about creating a mentor system that creates deeper relationships than a lot of our currently required systems that we have. And, and the whole idea, she even laid out three steps to support teachers from being overwhelmed. That is just such gold that she's telling us. Practical advice, good stories, and she even then goes on to talk about following or the importance of following a tested and successful coaching framework whenever we're engaging or empowering teachers. Look, she's got so much more to say that it had to be broken into a second half. So make sure you come back next week and catch the second part of this episode. Have a great one. Well, that's a wrap, but not the end. 
Next step, be sure to take action on something you heard here today. Thanks for listening to the Scene to Lead podcast. If you'd like to connect for any reason, email me at drchrissj at gmail.com or catch me on Twitter at Jones. If you've gotten any value from the Scene to Lead podcast, you can help me and other leaders create a world-class environment through a teacher-centric approach by subscribing to the show, leaving an honest rating and review, and sharing this episode on social media with your most valuable takeaway. Learn more at drcsjones.blog. Continue to improve and go have a successful week. And now a quick word from our sponsor, Jigsaw Learning. Whether you lead at the school, district, or division level, you're serving a wide array of students, and you know that no one person has all the answers when it comes to meeting each of their needs. That's why Jigsaw Learning helps leaders and their staff and faculty to develop a collaborative approach. Every child deserves a team, and when you put together the pieces of effective collaboration, you can realize that team's full potential. Connection, relationships, and authentic collaboration are at the foundation of Jigsaw Learning's work. Through professional learning presented on-site, online, or a blend of both, Jigsaw's team of experienced learning associates works with you to develop a personalized plan to help collaborative response thrive in your organization. Learn why educators have described working with Jigsaw Learning as powerful, wonderful, and beneficial for all students. Visit jigsawlearning.ca and connect with the team for information. That's jigsawlearning.ca. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com B to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com B-E.